This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. There's a lot of talk about value stocks suddenly now that the growth momentum has pulled back. And while I do believe the dominance of the big growth names will end at some point because, after all, the best performing equity class over the last 50 years is our favorite small cap value. But usually you don't see market changes in the sentiment when everybody is looking and predicting it. And there are far too many people predicting the demise of the growth stocks and the rise of value. I mean, every time I'm turning on um, CNBC or Bloomberg, there's some other analysts on there talking about value and value will come back and this and that with value. But I feel like it's too much too too quickly and... Um, people are putting a little bit too much into this pullback. And additionally, there are people that are looking for a reason behind the pullback in the growth names instead of just calling it what it is, is that it was an overextended rally. Everybody was in it. Valuations were a little bit stretched, let's just call it. And a pullback in those stocks is healthy and normal. But nobody really wants to say that eh, because that's boring, right? So they got to look for a reason and... Um, They're looking for reasons to call the top in the entire stock market. Like, this is it. This is the end. And one of those reasons is housing. Now, I've looked at housing a couple times. And just recently in a Zach's Market Edge podcast with John Blank, we talked about housing. But really, no one else has cared about housing for numerous years now. I want to say five or six years since housing basically bottomed out in 2012. And then remember, 2012 was also the year that the home builder stocks were the best performers on the S&P 500. Some of them were up like 100 percent in in 2012. And then after that, it's been a, a kind of a wild roller coaster ride in the home builder stocks. But since then, nobody's really been paying all that much attention to what's going on in home building. and um, But people are thinking that it's going to signal something bigger in the U.S. economy now. So in the past, housing has been an important indicator of what is going on in the economy. And that's why everybody likes to look at it. If you look at the data from the National Association of Realtors, the NAR, they have some real good data on their site about this. And I looked up the the percentage of contribution by housing to to the GDP. And so they have data going back to 1980 and then up through the recession and then quarterly the last couple of years. And in 1980, the residential construction side of housing was about 5% of the GDP. So that part made up about 5%. And that 1980, remember, is when the baby boomers were, you know, the largest generation, they were buying houses, all that stuff was happening. And then you have another component to housing, which is the rents and the other side things like buying furniture or landscaping or things that go into housing. And that was another 12.5% of what made up GDP in 1980. So the total for all of housing was 17.5%. So when you hear those big numbers, like it's such a huge percentage of GDP, it, it is, but it's really kind of not 
because it's only really the actual construction part is only 5%. But uh, looking forward then, by 2005, when the housing mania was going on, you can see that in the numbers, it started to um, expand, let's just say. So that residential construction component was now 5.9% of GDP versus the 5 in 1980. And then the other other stuff was basically about the same with the rents of just 12.3% for a total of 18.2%. And then looking after the bust, so by 2010, which wasn't totally the bottom yet, but it was on its way there, the residential construction side had plunged to 2.5% of GDP there. So from 59 in 2018, to just five years later of 2.5. And then the other side, the rents and, you know, the buying of things for the house and all of that actually stayed about the same. And if you look at a lot of the data, it has stayed relatively consistent (laughs) over the last several decades. So that side was 12.6. So overall, you're only getting 15.1% of GDP. So down from 18, down to 15 by the bust. And while it might not seem like, oh, 3%, but that's still a huge deal in data like this to see it drop down. And then it's never really rebounded, to be honest. Um, The construction side has rebounded up to like in the low threes, so 3.3, 3.4 the last couple quarters here in 2018. And then the um, rents and that other component the services side is what they call it. It's 11.7% in the second quarter of this year of 2018 for 15% of GDP. So it's just kind of sitting there around 15% of GDP down from where it was even when the baby boomers were buying houses on mass in the 80s and the 90s. That's when it was about 17 to 18%. It was eight, a little over 18% in 2005. And now it's hovering around 15%. So I wouldn't exactly say it's super hot on that side of the equation. And then if you look at the housing starts with which John Blank and I discussed on the Market Edge podcast, um, housing starts tell you the other side of the story. So we do have a hot economy. We have these low mortgage rates that are coming up off their lows, but the last couple of years they've been at all-time low rates. We have millennials, the the now current largest generation. They're working and wanting to buy and moving um, into their own places. And the housing starts are still lagging. So the normal housing starts before the housing bust They usually average somewhere from like 1.5 million annualized to 2 million. And sometimes they spiked higher in real hot economy um, because obviously you're going to build more if things are really good and you have really strong job market. But right now there's really no crazy building going on. And in this whole cycle since the bust in 2008, 2009, and then even getting to the bottom in 2012, it's never reached back over the 1.5 million annualized. It's around 1.2 or so um, right now. So it just isn't really there. The um, speculation and like housing bubble like behavior just isn't really happening either by by the builders or even by buyers really here. Just isn't 
isn't there? So for a sector to be the cause of the overall stock market bust, it needs overinvestment. It needs the speculation. Remember what 2005, 2008 was like. That was easy credit for both the developers and buyers alike. So the banks were just like giving out the money. Anyone could be a builder. I remember this happening in Chicago. There were some crazy things going on. It happened in every city and thousands of units got built. And I know what you're thinking, like, oh, we see all these residential apartments being built. But for the most part, that is um, being absorbed in most cities. There's a little bit of overbuilding, perhaps in a city near you, uh, maybe in San Francisco or even in New York, where the rents have started to come down a little bit because um, there's not quite as much demand now. But even here in Chicago, where they're building thousands of units, it's at 94%. Um, vacancy um, here where they have absorbed most of these units that are coming on. So, and that's at the higher end of the range. So you're not really seeing um, crazy warning signs there too. So housing may slow and the housing starts may decline and they usually decline ahead of a recession. So that's what everybody's looking at. That's what they're all freaking out about. And the stock market is forward thinking. So it's predicting a real housing slowdown in 2019. And we haven't seen the rising rate environment since the 1970s. And most of us listening to this podcast don't know what that's really like. We've seen only the declining one. The very first mortgage I got in um, 2001 had a 7% 30-year fixed rate. And now, um, up until recently, you could get in 2017, the 30-year fixed was about 3.8%. And I know a lot of you got even lower. So don't tweet at me like, oh, Tracy, I got a 3.1 or whatever. That's fantastic. But those rates have kind of gone away now. This year in 2018, even before the recent spike, in the 10-year treasuries, they've been averaging around 4.5, 4.6 for the 30-year fix. And then we did see them spike up to 5%. So if this holds, it's a little bit change in the dynamic of what we've been seeing. And no one knows what will happen. You can look back to the 1970s to see what happened when the rates started really rising back then. But they went really high into the double digits, which is not expected this time. But... What they did was they just traded down to a cheaper house. Oh, I can no longer afford the $200,000 house. I'll buy the $100,000 house for the same monthly payment. But here with prices near all-time highs in many cities, nobody knows what they'll be able to trade down to. So there's still many unknowns and that makes the housing stocks risky. And so, as we've seen, investors are fleeing them. And there seems to be a bit of a panic selling right now. I mean, I've looked at them... And they continue to sell off. Some of the housing stocks have been down, I want to say, 29 or 30 days out of the last like 32, 33 days. So it's nearly every day down. And when you get a market like that in anything, um, investors just can't take the pain anymore and they just start getting out. So at some point you do have capitulation. doesn't look like we've seen it yet. But I recently did an oversold stocks podcast, as most of you know, and Toll Brothers was on it. That's one of the home builders. And since that episode, the shares have continued to fall even further, continuing to hit new 
um, 52-week lows and the entire sector, including the home renovation companies, because I started looking at those too. Those have been selling off, the guys who make the cabinets, the plumbing, faucets, all that stuff that um, is following the home builders down. But no one is willing to jump in here um, because they're scared and it looks like there is literally panic selling. But you know what I think about that? As a value investor, I start to snoop around. Now, I said this on the Oversold Stocks podcast that you don't know when it's going to be the bottom of any oversold stock and nobody can time the bottom perfectly. But I thought I'd take a look at just how cheap some of the home builders are again this week as this panic has kind of set in. And when there's a panic, even though it's really hard for those of us who are value investors to even consider buying um, and just given what the charts look like, you just see endless selling there. Um, then it makes it really difficult. But if you know how cheap some of these are, you might at least keep them on your list as I'm doing and get ready to get in there. Um, you might be a little early, of course. That's always a possibility, as I just said. Nobody times the bottom perfectly. But some of these are down pretty severely now, year to date. So let's take a look at what they're trading at. So I will discuss Toll Brothers. I'll start with that one first since I just did it in the Oversold podcast. The PE is at 6.6. The PEG is 0.4. It's down 40% year to date now. So that's the luxury home builder. Some of you are probably thinking, I really don't want to be in luxury, but um, definitely on sale here. Then we had Pulte, PHM. I've talked about them in the past too. PE is 6. PEG is 0.3. And they're down about 6 uh, 37% year-to-date, so almost the same as Toll Brothers. Some big selling there. And then KB Home, KBH is that ticker. They are down 41% year-to-date. They're the most expensive out of all of this group um, that I'm going to talk about today. And they are trading at 11 times. So a little bit of a premium for KB Home here. I do consider it to be one of my favorites in the home builders, but a um, little bit of premium. PEG is still super cheap at 0.6. They've already reported, so you're going to have to wait a couple months to hear from them again. So you're not going to get any relief from an earnings call on this selling. Um, then we have Lennar. They're always on a little bit of the cheaper end of the home building spectrum. PE is 8.3. PEG is 0.5. And year-to-date down 38%. Lennar's L-E-N is that ticker. Then I took a look at Dr. Horton, another big name most of you know. PE is 7.7, PEG is 0.7, and they're down 31%. Now, they haven't reported yet, so this could be interesting to listen in and see what they have to say, but you're going to have to wait a couple weeks here still because they're reporting on November 8th. So, but this could be a catalyst or maybe these stocks have already hit the bottom by then, but there's certainly to get interesting questions from analysts on that call because they can't ask the other companies who've already reported. So um, that's one you should definitely be tuning into shares down 31% year to date. Did I already say that? I'm not sure I did, but that's what they're down. These are all down big. Um, let's just put it that way. And then I looked at one of the small guys I know I've talked about in the past. MI Homes is the name. Ticker is MHO. They only have a $629 million market cap. And their PE is just 
and they don't have a peg though. Um, down 38% year to date because they're small cap that get hit even harder. They haven't reported yet either. They're reporting the week of this podcast on October 24th. So again, this is another opportunity to listen in on this um, conference call and kind of see like what, what they're saying. What are they seeing out there? Is it really this doom and gloom? Um, I have hazard a guess to say it's really not this doom and gloom because we did hear just a few weeks ago from KB Home and some and some of the others, I think Polte, and they all have not been doom and glooming at all. So yes, the market is forward looking, like I keep saying. So they still think, oh, 2019 is the awful time. But um, if you are a home builder, uh, aficionado, let's just call it that, for the stocks, you know that they're very cyclical and this has happened before. The um, Actually, this, this kind of sell-off um, is not unusual because people do get really pessimistic about the builders when they get a little bit of bearish on the economy. And the last time we saw a really big sell-off like this was in 2013. So go back five years when the Fed... Um, was indicating that it was no longer going to be cutting rates, that it was going to maybe be raising rates. And we had the thing called the taper tantrum. And so the rates started rising a bit that year. And everybody said, oh, the rates are rising. Oh, my gosh, no doom. And they sold off all the home builders. So the home builder stocks underperformed the S&P 500 by 24% that year. Double digit, big time underperforming. And if you had bought in when the things got really doom and gloom, by 2014, they had bounced back because this is what they do. They sell off after the summer, spring and summer um, buying period when it looks kind of pessimistic. And now now they are way down. Market is thinking, oh, it's going to be an awful 2019. But usually you start to see some hope in there that 2019 might not be that bad. So this is when the stocks usually start to do the rebound from October into November, December, and then January when we start hearing from the home builders again, like the ones who report very early in the cycle, like the um, KB Home and Pulte and Lennar, which all go early in the earnings season. So if you had done that in 2013, you produced a 19.3% outperformance of the S&P 500 if you had had some guts to get in there. So what am I saying? Um, yes, they're cyclical. And yes, I, some of you will tweet at me and tell me it's different this time, Tracy. It's really doomed this time. Um, and maybe, maybe it is. But with the stocks trading at these levels, it's literally like the market is predicting a financial crisis of some sort, like some huge slowdown like we saw in 2009 through 2012 in housing. But that is rare. I'm not saying who knows. Never say never, right? But usually great recessions are called great for a reason because they're rare and likely once in a lifetime, maybe twice in a lifetime opportunities or uh, events, I should say. So 
you have to take that into consideration that the market has really oversold all these names and the capitulation has got to be coming soon because it's just endless selling every day. It's those computers and the investors who were holding on decide, I just can't take it. I can't take another day of losses. I'm getting out now. And they're throwing in the towel. And um, this is what happened in 2013 too. And we did see the rebound into the new year. Now, remember the spring selling season really kicks off with the Super Bowl always. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it does. Super Bowl happens, then everybody's like, eh, got to go buy a house now. It's just a seasonal thing that has always happened. And everybody starts listing their houses right around when the Super Bowl comes on, even though it's technically winter. So you get all this um, build up into that time period. And that can make it interesting for the stocks because when the there's some optimism and some bullishness, that's when you see it start to turn around. So do you have some guts to play this cycle? I know a lot of you do on the semiconductors, but you haven't seen quite as bad a pullback in the semis as you have here, um, although it depends on which one you're in. So maybe you have. But there's still more belief that the semis are going to turn around and be cyclical again to the upside than there is in the home builders. And as you know, for value investors, we do go in when everybody else is fleeing. Now, that being said, I do not own any of these in my own personal portfolio. I've actually never bought the home builder stocks in my own personal portfolio um, because I'm I'm basically buy and hold and they are a little more cyclical. So it's hard to buy and hold these. But I have owned several of them in the value investor portfolio I run here at Saks. And we tried to get in one earlier this year and we got we got toasted on that one. <laughs> so I thought, man, we were being too early, but maybe we're not now. Um, I'm going to be looking around at them myself. So let's recap those tickers again. So we had Toll Brothers, which is T-O-L. We had Pulte, P-H-M. We had K-B Home, which is K-B-H. Lenar is L-E-N. Uh, D.R. Horton is D-H-I. And M-I Home is M-H-O. And on a side note, you might want to check out some of the housing renovation stocks. They're getting hit just as hard right now, too. And some of those are at 52-week lows. And I covered one in the Oversold podcast. That was American Woodmark. That's a cabinet maker. But if you look at some of the other cabinet makers like Masco um, and even Home Depot and Lowe's, those have pulled back off their highs. So this whole thing is in the same story of, oh, the doom is coming but it, it may not be as doom, dooming as you think. So be out there, look for opportunities. And of course, I will be back again next week with more value stocks. There's a lot going on right now. So you want to be sure to subscribe and you can get us on SoundCloud. We're there with the Zach's Market Edge. And you can also get us as a standalone on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. But get us somewhere because... Uh, the spotlight is now shining on value once again as the sell-off continues and there's going to be a lot going on and some good buying opportunities. So you don't want to miss a single episode and I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks.